everybody. <laughs> Shooting myself, but we're all here for the same thing, so it's okay. Um, before we start, um, I just want to do, I have so many notes. <laughs> So, sorry if I read for a little bit. So before we get started tonight, I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge and pay respect to the Yagambi people of the Gold Coast and all of their descendants, both past, present. I also acknowledge the many Aboriginal and other regions from the Torres Strait South Sea Islander people who now live in the local area and have made important contribution to the community. Okay. Housekeeping. So tonight is all about community connection and spreading awareness and normalising grief, trauma and loss. We are all in this together and no one needs to go through life feeling lonely or isolated. We are here spreading awareness and I feel the best way to do that is to share. Share your stories and share experiences. So I encourage you to do your bit and share as much of you liked, sorry, share as much as tonight as you like on your socials. Now, in saying that, the best way to do that is please take out your phone, all of you. And if they're not on silent, pop them on silent. Open up your Instagram and make sure you are following Flawed and Fabulous Podcast and me with Love Ash. And share it on your socials and please tag all of us and the girls will all say their handles when they come up tonight. We're here to support our message that life can be both messy and magical. Our journeys are what make us unique, and together we are normalising grief, trauma and loss. These past seasons, I've put a lot of thought and care into creating meaningful and valuable connections for you. I wanted the podcast to move into this direction, and it took me a little bit, well, a little bit longer than I expected to get there. Sam did say I'd be pushing shit up a hill, <laughs> but I got here in the end. But... Life happens, and sometimes a fire, a pandemic, life just gets in the way. Something that has been so incredibly important to me and at the forefront of my mind when inviting special guests to share their stories was creating a safe space. A safe space to be vulnerable and a safe space to explore our adversity. And tonight is no different. The main thing that excited me the most about doing a live podcast was finally having face-to-face -face connection with all of you and listener interaction, which I believe is the only downfall of doing a podcast each week. I don't get to see your faces and I don't get to hear your thoughts and your feelings, unless of course you reach out to me. As someone who loves a good chat, it can be really hard sometimes to talk to a microphone instead of a person. So tonight we'll be opening up the mic and giving the audience a chance to ask questions. If you would like to ask a question, please don't be shy and ask away, the real magic moments happen when we ask questions. While I'm encouraging lots of listener interaction, which to me is a big bonus of doing the live show, a small favor before you pop your hand up. I ask to be mindful and respectful of my intentions to always create a safe and loving space. These kind-hearted souls have so bravely shared their stories with you on the podcast and now given up their time so generously to be here again tonight. During the Q&A, Monique and I will be deciding whether the question adds value to the audience and offer an opportunity for connection and growth. Please don't be offended if your question gets put into other words. We are mindful of triggers for our guests and the audience. We're wanting to keep tonight aligned with our values of humour and heart. To say I'm excited to have you all here is a complete understatement. When I first started the podcast, under two years ago, I did not know where this path would take me, and wow, it has been so much better than I expected. 
Not only has sharing my life experiences been extremely therapeutic for my own healing and growth, but I have met and connected with so many fabulous people along the way and had the honour of listening to and supporting you through your own stories. My life is brighter because of you all. Having this amazing community, we are like a sisterhood. And even though there are a few bros in the house too, I feel so grateful and humble that we are supporting each other through the roller coaster that is life. Look around the room. You are here, you are seen, you are heard, and you are loved. I thank you all for being here tonight, and I'm so excited for what's in store for us. So in saying that, if you know it, please feel free to join me when I say, you're tuning in to Flawed and Fabulous. I'm Ash, and I think that we're all flawed, we're all so fabulous. Tonight, we are welcoming back to stage some of your most favourite guests to talk about life after the Flawed and Fabulous podcast. Please welcome my co-host for the night, a well-known recurring guest and our family therapist, Monique Harding. Hello, lovely. Monique's just as nervous as I am, so it makes me feel better. Um, how are you going? Good. Can I take a seat? Yes, let's sit down. You good? I'm great. Okay, and then Monique is also here to share her professional perspective on tonight's topics and some valuable tips to the audience, so please feel free to ask Monique questions also. Now, Let's get started with tonight's two-part podcast and welcome to the stage, Brooke Stafford, Courtney Mangan, Jessie Liu to the Flawed and Fabulous podcast. Woo! <laughs> Woo! We only heard Jessie's name. So. Oh, I did say everyone, didn't I, gals? <laughs> okay, so how are we all feeling, gals? Excited. Excited. Lit. Yeah, I've had two champagnes, so I'm like, woo! <laughs> Mama's I, need, out. I need more. That water's not going to cut it. Um, so, yeah, let's get started. So, Brooke is our first guest tonight, and she was in season three, episode three, which is from December 2020, The Girl Next Door from Making Beats to Babies. In this episode, Brooke shared about her past miscarriage, relocating from the USA to Australia, her mental health during a career-changing lockdown, and plus, let us in on a little secret at the time that she was in fact pregnant. So, Brooke, tell us what the past eight months has looked like for you. Um, pretty wild, yeah. So, um, as Ash said, I had a miscarriage over in LA and it was really hard for me because it was just when COVID had hit and we didn't really know what was going on. So, for us, it was like one thing after another and then we had to get on a plane quickly and get back to Australia before obviously the two-week quarantine. Um, anyway, so I was suffering from really bad postnatal, obviously, sadness. And um, it was really, really awful for me because not only did I have a miscarriage, I also had lost my job and every single show for the next 12 months. So for me, I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, it was pretty terrifying and um, really sad as well for me. And then um, a few months went by and I just, um, I kind of like got a bit obsessive over getting pregnant again and that was kind of a bit of a head... Fuck. I was, yeah, I was going to say fuck, but swear. I can't say... Like I thought, can I say it or not? <laughs> I was definitely a big head fuck and it really got the better of me and I was actually... Um, I felt like I was going crazy. Not only that, I didn't have a... Because I was not DJing and for me, I've been DJing for 10 years pretty much and 
I went from, you know, living this wild life, not being in the same city for like longer than a week to back in Australia, back home, um, you know, not pregnant, no shows. Like, what am I gonna, what am I gonna do? So for me, it was just really awful. Ash lived next door, <laughs> which I didn't know I'm also until. The girl next door. Yeah, and <laughs> I was in the kitchen talking, and she's like. Brooke, like she could hear my voice because it obviously travels pretty fast. So because um, it's really loud. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, weeks, months went by, and um, I yeah fell pregnant again, which is I was so stoked, and it was um, yeah it's a miracle, and now I have little Rocky, and she's nearly five months, and she's an absolute legend, and I'm just stoked. And yeah. So. Brooke and I, well, I probably drink more wine than Brooke when I go and hang over at her house, but <laughs> being a new mum and doing the feeding thing. But um, what is it like being a new mum? Um, it is definitely way harder than I expected. So I was expect, oh, yeah, I'll, I've got this. You know, I'm a DJ. I don't sleep most nights and I'm going to be fine. And, yeah, no, it's definitely not nothing like that. And I thought I'd be sweet. But, yeah, I had a little bit of, like, postnatal, like, I would say anxiety really badly. I still kind of get it. Um, but it was pretty bad for the first eight weeks, to be honest. And, um, yeah, no, it, it's amazing and I love it. But it's definitely fucking harder than I thought. So, yeah. And, yes. Whoa. All sharing the truth. And Rocky is divine. What's she like, Isabel? Oh, she's like perfect. Like, no, like seriously, <laughs> I'm really, really um, lucky that she sleeps really well and eats everything and, yeah, eats me to pieces. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. I'm really lucky. And when you mentioned before that you had moments of feeling like postnatal anxiety, what did that look like for you? Um, just like, just so scared to leave the house and so scared to get her in the car and just like, yeah, for me, I just felt really um, like, oh my God, I'm, am I meant to feel a lot happier than what I feel like? It was just, I do blame a lot on my hormones as well, um, being a big, big issue there. Just, yeah, I just felt really depleted. Um, breastfeeding for me was really hard at the beginning, but now it's all good. But yeah, I just had mastitis over and over again. It was just like, wow, I can't get a break. And I just, and you know, and I think back to like wanting to be pregnant and being like so stoked I felt pregnant again. And now I'm like, whoa, this is fucking hard. And like, <laughs> but I'm Why did so, I do I'm this? I'm so happy. Like she's the best and I'm just so, I'm so fucking lucky. Um, but yeah, no, it's freaking hard. But isn't this polarity, right? This is the experience that we have in life, the highs yeah. and the lows. Yeah, totally. And I've had some pretty epic highs. So for me, I'm like, yeah, it's, 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 whoa. It's been a really fucked up few years, though, for me. <laughs> I have to admit, like. That's just the headline. Just because, like, I'm, <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, I went from living such a wild life to now, like, yeah. kind of just chilled. So, like, mm. not chilled. Actually, just like a lot more calmer than, um, yeah, what it used to be. Which, and I kind of, to be honest, I'm kind of, um, I miss my old life as well mm. a little bit. That's why I'm having a ball right up here. <laughs> And who myself. enjoyed that, right? In her yeah. element, yeah. Like, I just, I love it. Like, I love getting, it's the first gig I've done in, like, a long time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I do really miss my old life, but I'm, I'm so blessed to have her. And, um, I, you know, um, yeah, I love, I love being a mum and I reckon I'm pretty good at it, considering I didn't think I was. But, um, yeah, um, I'm just, I'm happy. And, um, but as I said, I'm probably grieving a little bit of my 
past life of literally no responsibility and just waking yeah. up in a different hotel, a different city, a different country, really. And then now I'm like, yeah, it's a little different. But such a big transition, isn't it? it? Is. You think that you're going to be attaching to this little beautiful baby that comes into the world and you're also meeting a new version of yourself that you have exactly. to connect with in the process. Yeah, and my sister-in-law actually did pull me up and said, you've got to get used to this, this new brook. And I was mm. like, yeah, you're right. Like, and I, I kind of, she was like, and she gave me a few quotes and a few books to read and stuff. She's like, you just got to manoeuvre around this new life and and you could still have your old life but just like a little bit different and that kind of knocked some sense into me and because I was always trying to oh you know I can still have this that old life I used to have but mm. it doesn't work like that because she needs me every hour literally yeah like on the boob but yeah um <laughs> yeah and yeah I don't even know what really the point was <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I went but yeah we love a tangent it's <laughs> yeah. all good no it's all in truth and so Opening up for you that has lived a relatively shiny life on social media, travelling, gigs, this, um, and somewhat a infamous lifestyle, what was the reason that you decided to come on the podcast and share your story? But then also, what was the highlight after you did? Um, so, I didn't... I'm not good with being really, really personal on my social media. Um, I just never have. Like, I've, I'm getting better, but I just, like, I want to keep things to myself. And Ash, like, just sort of said to me, you know, do you want to jump on and maybe have a chat about it? And But I kept putting it off, like, literally, like, what are we, what, week 13? And then I just kept... Yeah. And I was pregnant as well, so I was like, oh. And I hadn't told anyone yet, so... Um, yeah, no, it was, that was pretty tough. Like, I don't know. And then you were the first person I sort of spoke to in the, in the public about my miscarriage. It really affected me. Like, I know, I, I feel for a lot of girls that have miscarriages, like all my girlfriends have obviously been through it as well. And I'm just like, whoa, like, I never realised how awful it actually is. You know what I mean? I was 10 weeks, I was in the States. I didn't have any family there, like, except Matt and Chris. Chris being my husband's brother, and um, and you know I didn't Auntie have Chris. Auntie Chris, we call him. Um, but we I didn't have anyone there really, so you know uh, it was just plus you you're talking to doctors that you don't really know and mm. you don't really know what's going on, and it was all everything was going so smooth until the you know you get an ultrasound and nothing's going on, like everything's not there, not happening anymore. So for me, it was just like whoa, and um, you're just being in a hospital and. That was the beginning of COVID. So, no one actually knew about kind of... It hadn't gotten out in the media yet. So, I was in a hospital with some really, really sick people. But mm. I didn't actually kind of know that that was the reason why they were sick. It was because of COVID. Ah. And, um, yeah, so it was really... Like, in the room, I was there was so many sick people. And I was like, what are they, what's going on? Like, these American hospitals are wild. Like, mm. you know what I mean? And, um, anyway, so that was... Big, and then... COVID just rocked us as well. Like, we even packed an extra suitcase of toilet paper just because... From America... You and the rest of the world. Because they said, like, Australia's sold out, pretty much. Oh, wow. So, we were like, oh, we must, we must get some toilet paper and bring it home. Like, what the... Black market. We do laugh about it and it comes up in our memories and it's actually quite funny. But, but you know, it's rocked our whole family and it's rocked, you know, Matt and Chris and... Everyone that we work, we work with and all of our um, artists that we manage and stuff, we've all just obviously taken the biggest blow. So it's been freaking tough. But, um, 
It's slowly getting there. We don't need, yeah. Almost perfect timing to have a baby. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, blessing in disguise, kind of. Yeah, Matt didn't agree was. with us the other night. <laughs> <laughs> no, he got quite heated the other night. Ash came over and had a few wines and Matt Again. kind of told us how it was and it was like, whoa. Anyway. <laughs> but we love Maddie. Yeah, we love him. <laughs> He's not going to listen to this. <laughs> love him. Hopefully not. Oh. I know sometimes, Brooke, like when your present looks so different, it's it can be really challenging and hard and quite emotional to revisit the past. But I guess I'm really conscious that there's a crowd here of majority women and that the statistics show that it's more likely to have a miscarriage these days than not. If you were able to kind of float back to that past version of yourself, like what would be, what did you need to hear? What would have been the advice that you would give her? What would you say to her? Um, past meaning like before my miscarriage? Or? When you were in the miscarriage, when you were navigating that. Oh. Um, like, I don't, it just actually made me wake up and, and realise, like, because a lot of my girlfriends have had miscarriages and it just made me go... I wish I was kind of there for you a little bit more. That's actually the first yeah. thing that came to my head because I was like, I couldn't believe the pain I was in for mm. like weeks. And I just wish I kind of, you know, I, I, my, you know, a couple of my girlfriends have had up to five miscarriages, right? And I was like, wow, I just, I couldn't imagine that pain that they've been through. They've, mm. you know, so I just wish, yeah. Um, that's what I'd probably, yeah. yeah. I, I said that to myself a few times. I was like, I wish I was there for a lot of my like best be friends. be supportive. Yeah, and yeah. just be a little bit more supportive and not be like... Because, you know, I've been living this, like, autopilot life for so long that I just, you know, I wish I just kind of, like, went, whoa, I, you know, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you more. Like, mm. you know. So, yeah. Thank but you now for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. That's what I... That's sort of what happened. We did have um, an opportunity for the audience to write in on socials and ask a question. And um, it's, like, almost a plug for season five. But, Brooke, your question was, um, please share your birth story. But... Um, oh, wow. Okay. Actually have not told anyone that, no, too. But she's coming on the podcast in season five to do it. So, I don't feel like it can be really summed up in um, a, like, ten-minute chat. Um... <laughs> Like, it went for 30 hours and it was horrible and, um, <laughs> like, I got induced because my placenta was calcifying a little bit and the, everyone said, you know, um, you should, we should induce you just in case we just don't know what's going on with this placenta. Um, so, yeah, that was, I was like, yeah, let's do this and, like, oh, my God, like, 25 hours in or whatever it was, I was like, holy shit, this is fucked. <laughs> anyway, but, you, like, it... Everything was – my labour was – like, the end part was amazing and, you know, and I healed really well and my doctor, Dr Catherine Mills from Pindara, is an absolute G. She's, like, the most amazing doctor ever. <laughs> like, wow, she's incredible. <laughs> like, I love her. Um, but, yeah, no, it was really shit, yeah. Got an epidural <laughs> and um, that was great but it wore off in the end so it didn't really do much. <laughs> But I yeah. love this girl so much. <laughs> um, we are going to do question time as a group for the end of um, part one later. So um, that is Brooke wrapping up her little segment. So give Brooke a big round of applause. I'm going to need my next notes. <laughs> Even though I know so much about you, Miss Courtney, but I still want to have my script. Okay. 
So, next up is Miss Courtney Mangan. She has been on season one, two, three, and four, um, spanning from 2019 to 2021. Known to you all um, with the flawed and fabulous podcast as Producer Courts and to me as Miss Courtney. Um, you have supported me through every single season and it's been about five months since Courtney and I have actually had a one-to-one -one chat on the podcast. So, having you as a guest tonight rather than a host was my goal for you to share what's been happening for you for these past five months? Um, I was trying to, when you, I saw this question, I was like, what the hell have I even done for the past five <laughs> months? I can't <laughs> remember. But I think that the last time I was on the podcast, I just finished my cancer treatment, my immunotherapy. Mm -hmm. And then I was starting to get back into hoping I was going to start to feel normal again after the... This is just water, by the way. It's pretty disappointing. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Um, after the cancer treatment, side effects were going to wear off. I was, like, thinking, oh, I'm going to, like, get back into feeling normal again. And sort of just as that time hit, I guess, I found out, what, like, six or seven weeks ago that uh, my cancer was back. Um, and this time it was... Uh, <laughs> Still fresh. <laughs> um, yeah, in my organs. So it's in my small bowel. So it's stage. It was stage four, and I had surgery pretty quick. So they cut it out and had my some lymph nodes removed. So yeah, not fun. And that's basically what I've been doing, <laughs> dealing with that shit show. Um, and yeah, I think that it's just been like a, a hard realization that this might be like. A regular thing now, third time's a charm, we're hoping. But, yeah, that's kind of what's been happening in the last few months, I guess. It's all-consuming cancer stuff. So I've just been healing from my surgery, which took a lot longer than I expected. I was like, oh, I'll be back at work after a week. And um, as, like, a workaholic, having a month off was, like, a lot. So, yeah, that's just what I've been doing, I guess. Nothing too exciting. I didn't have any children. <laughs> <laughs> Neither. Um. <laughs> Um, but you have obviously taken to social media to share your journey and also create awareness for your own cause. What have been the pros and cons for you in sharing your story on social media? Yeah, so I think because I think my second diagnosis was the end of 2019 and I really wanted to start talking to people about getting skin checks and being aware of like wearing SPF every day, not just when they were sitting by the pool having a cocktail because... You know, melanoma is one of the cancers that I guess can be prevented, which, you know, a lot of most other cancers cannot be prevented. And so it sort of seems like something that you can control. And because it was so out of my control, this experience, I was like, well, maybe I can help others and I can be like a warning sign for them that maybe it will help them save themselves if they're out baking themselves in the sun every day and think that, you know, I think you always think it can't happen to you. But when you see someone that's like, at that time, you know, I was 32, thinking like, oh, this young girl who's just like me, um, maybe it can happen to me too. So the pros of that have been amazing because I'm getting, you know, I get messages every day from people being like, go to get my skin check today. It was amazing. I have had hundreds of people going to get their skin check. Um, and I'm also, I get tagged every time somebody buys the sunscreen that I recommend. So that's been really amazing. And I've even had a few weeks ago, I had a skin specialist send me a video message on Instagram saying that he had like lots of young women coming in to get skin checks and he thought it was really strange because usually it's like older people that go mm. and so he had asked them why are you coming in and they kept saying my name and so he felt like he wanted to 
like send me a video message to say like it's had a huge impact. So yeah, that's been like really, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think I've had about like 40 people had like cancerous moles removed since I've been wow. sharing the story. Who so, here has had a skin check recently or is planning on getting one? Hands Everyone higher. Hands. Everyone <laughs> should be planning on doing that, yes. Um, so yeah, that's definitely been one of the pros. Um, also like the support from other people who've been through similar experiences, you know, the able to reach out to me and then seeing that other people that also feel the same way I do feel like seen and heard because I'm sharing my story. So that's been really rewarding. Um, but obviously on the flip side, when you share so vulnerably something about yourself, people feel that they, as you would know, as everyone here probably knows, they feel that they know you, so they feel entitled to know so much more about you. So I'll get people messaging being like, what time's your doctor's appointment? Like, when's, yeah, oh, when's your next scan? That's quite personal. Can we get more information? Yeah, it's just like, I'll let you know what I Show want you to know. Scan scale. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that can be difficult. And also I become wow. like the um, people's support system for when they have to get a biopsy. So they go for their skin check and then they're really nervous because the doctor cuts something out and they're waiting for the results and they come to me to like calm them down for their skin results, mm. which, yeah, um, which is definitely an interesting <laughs> thing, but, you know, it's part of what I'm doing. So that's definitely yeah. the, the harder side of things. And, and also the unwarranted like medical advice that I get from everyone, like what I should be eating, what I should be doing. So that, I get that a lot. <laughs> I, know, I wanted to say something, I'm like, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> we went out for dinner the other night and we were like, no, was, like snapping away at all of the, the food and then like this like piece of beef came out and she's like, I can't put that on there. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, can't eat red, red meat when you've had cancer. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what happens. People slide into the DMs and say, yeah, the vegans Don't that. come for me. <laughs> <laughs> While they're all coming to like help and support, yes. sometimes you're like, I want to eat the beef. <laughs> Let me live. I've had the cancer. Let me live. My doctors tell me as long as I have a healthy balance, then it's fine. So, It's so interesting, though, because I'm sure that those people, that's coming from a really loving, caring totally. place. And I think in general, this speaks to a broader issue that our society doesn't deal very well with suffering and devastation when they're actually essential components of the human condition. I'm so intrigued. Like, how have the people around you responded to this news, like, has, and I want to be a bit more specific than that, um, has anything surprised you in terms of your closer circle of friends, not so much your community on social media, but your friends, your family, like, uh, what insight have you kind of gotten into the human psyche um, around how we, we react to these kind of things? I think the difficult part of this aspect is, like, you yourself don't know how you're going to react to hearing, like, the worst news of your life, and then you don't know, like, what you're going to like receiving from people in their communication style. So some yep. people might want to be like, well, at least it's not this and it's better than this and look at that person, they're, they're much worse. The yeah, people, some people like toxic positivity, some people don't mm. want that. And so it's been, you know, what I say I don't like is something that somebody else might need. And so it is hard for my family and friends to navigate that because they're just doing what they think they'd want to hear in that situation. Yeah. And that's not what I want to hear, but how are they to know that? So... 
I've tried to the best I can be as clear as I can with like what I need for when they're communicating with me mm. um, and everybody's been really respectful of that because my mental health has been like a, you know a big priority I can't do anything about my physical health because the doctor's dealing with that so all I can do is yeah. look after my mental health and so and I'm sure that the way you know of course everybody wants to say like the nice thing and be mm. like oh it's gonna be okay but sometimes when you're in it it's like I don't you know I don't want to hear that it could be worse or I should be grateful for that or you know and so sit I think that that's sometimes yeah and sometimes just, just like that's fucked up and it's yeah. like yes it is <laughs> yeah and that's enough that feels enough to yeah. You. yeah yeah exactly obviously if I was like really sad and depressed for weeks on end mm. I would understand if they came to me and said like you need to like refocus but in the moment when you first hear those news for the first you know few days after that it's like you, you just want to sort of be like, I just need to process this before I receive any, like, I'm grateful for things yes. and the positivity side of things. And you just mentioned your mental health. What do you do to support your mental health during this? Well, I, it's not really something that I had ever thought about before because thankfully I don't suffer from any anxiety or depression. So, you know, that's... I guess mental health has never been something at the forefront of my life because I've never had any issues with it that I thought of. But when I got my second diagnosis in 2019, I thought I better be proactive because this could be a slippery slope for my mental health. Um, and so I sort of was, um, you know, being on your podcast, Monique being around all the time, I learned a lot. And then, like, I did a lot of, like, self-help books and self-help podcasts and learned a lot was about... Was I toxic positivity? <laughs> no. <laughs> was I doing that? You were like, have a drink. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I just have become very aware of how I'm feeling at all times. And it's like, what was that trigger? Why am I feeling mm. that way? And not letting my emotions control me as much as I... Sometimes it's really hard. And, like, I've realised that the way you talk to yourself really does matter. And so, for me, it's been about, like, if I'm feeling a certain way, like, I might journal to try and get to the bottom, like, why I feel that way and not let my emotions control me and then sort of move past it if I can. Um, or, like, you know, I'm a big venter. So, I'll be, like, talking to Ash and telling you and then calling my friends and just to get it out. Um, and social media has been, like, a, I guess, like, a bit of a visual diary for me, sort of, opening up to people has made me feel a lot better, sort of releasing that and feeling like I'm helping people has been also helpful for my mental health. And has your recent cancer news um, made you want to change anything in your life? I mean, it's the cliche thing to say, like, oh, my God, you only live once, go and live your life, you know. But when you're going to work every day and you've got, like, responsibilities, like, it's not, I'm not going to be able to get in a plane anywhere and go to do anything. Yeah. So it's just become about, like, doing things that do make me happy and trying to have things that I can always look forward to. So for me, it's just, like, doing things with my friends and family, going to events and, like, just little everyday things that make me happy and then also being really clear about my boundaries and when things are making me feel stressed or uncomfortable that I kind of just nip it in the bud straight away and I'm not going to, like, let that linger for months and not have awkward conversations. Like, I'm just going to deal with it straight away because I need to, like be happy all the time. And, we ain't got time for that. Yeah, exactly. And, like, at the end of the day, nobody knows when they're going to die. Sure, like, I had a follower the other day, this is going to sound like a lot, um, saying that, like, they had, you know, everybody knows that, that we all know we're going to die at some point, obviously, but nobody knows what it is. But when you feel like you can see it coming, it's, like, a lot more at the front of your mind rather than you aren't thinking about it coming at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that you do 
kind of feel a bit more of a zest for life, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to lie and be like, I'm out there living like, oh, my God, yes. You know? <laughs> I like this dance <laughs> move. When can we incorporate this some more? <laughs> With no dancing, no dancing. Isn't there music in the intuition? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not back. Not till Friday when I would love to dance. And again, we did ask the audience if they had any questions. And the question um, which does appear on your social media but not always on my podcast. Um, I know the story behind it too. Um, how did weight loss surgery change your life? Yeah, so that's something, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever talked about it on your podcast I think we've at like all. mentioned yeah. that it helped you or didn't help you. It um, The second diagnosis came yeah. about that way. So uh, early 2019, I made the decision after like a, a long time to have weight loss surgery and after losing about 45 kilos, that's when I found the second lump um, in, uh, in my arm. And there's just like, there's no, no way in the world I would ever have found it otherwise. Um, so definitely saved my life. But it's been, I think, a big game changer for me in many ways. Obviously, just like physically, I can go to the shops and buy cuter clothes that are in my size rather mm-hmm. than going to Kmart all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's been nice, mm-hmm. feeling like you belong somewhere in the stores because, you know, the world is not really set up for plus-size women, unfortunately. Um, and so that's been great. But it's definitely been, um, I think, a game changer for me to realise that my appearance and I think also the fact that the cancer diagnosis came at a similar time it's hard to even differentiate like where mm. that change in my mental health came from mm-hmm. like was it from the weight loss or was it from getting this like New change and redirection yeah from yeah. the cancer but yeah it's definitely been um something that I realized that like how I look is the least important thing and it's about so much more about substances who you are and everything about like you know your intelligence and how funny you are and, you know, like how caring you are to your friends and, you know, that kind of stuff rather than I, I got so focused on my appearance when I was bigger because it was all I thought about myself and made me so self-conscious that it was just like what I focused on so much but now I feel like I don't even need to focus on that. I'm free to actually be a valuable, substantial person in the world and not just worrying about... Like, and nobody cares what I looked like, you know what I mean? Like, nobody walked into a room and was like, oh, my God, look at her in that dress or look, she weighs too much. Like, nobody cares. You're the one that cares. And I think that having that weight off me literally was like a weight off me as well, mm-hmm. mentally. Pardon the pun. Yes. It, well, yeah. not really. <laughs> but it does just show, like, how much the physical and mental is yeah. linked, right? Because what we look at a mirror once before we leave and then, like, I can't tell right now what I look like. I'm sitting talking to all of you. But Did you just look once? Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I looked about ten times before I walked out. I've seen you looking a lot more than that out the back. So <laughs> who are you kidding with your ten times? You were married to that mirror. But <laughs> wow. But my Botox has kicked in. I'm looking fresh. <laughs> I'll rub it in, seriously. <laughs> I can't get it over here. Sorry, sidetrack. <laughs> but it's the feeling, is yeah. is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been like, it's not something you would ever jump into lightly. It took yeah. me a lot of research and time and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And every day, it's like, I'm not just like a normal person. I have to be considerate about everything that I eat and consume and I can't have tap water anymore because it makes me ill. Like, I can't have, I couldn't have bubblies backstage because carbonated drinks makes me feel sick. I like, drank yours. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> So, like, there's a whole heap of stuff that goes into it. But, yeah, it definitely just changed my perspective on how I view myself. Yeah. Amazing. 
Well, we can all take something away for that, that it is what is on the inside that counts, not the outside. So big round of applause to Miss Courtney. Thank you. Okay, Jessie Lou, season four, episode five, May 21. The art of expression using poetry and art to help you feel and heal. In this episode, Jessie Lou opened up about her childhood, her own GTL journey, and how she is letting go of her past and healing herself through meaningful connections, poetry, and art. Jessie Lou. Hi. 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 <laughs> How are you feeling over there? My heart rate is has increased. <laughs> <laughs> it's <So>. your turn. <laughs> yeah, you were just sitting back there. Yeah, like. This is good. And then, whoa, straight into it. Yep, I'm ready. So, Jessie Lou, you have lived somewhat a private life on social media these past years, focusing mainly on your brand, Louis Lux. What has life post-flawed and fabulous after sharing your own GTL story once you peeled back the layers and shared with the audience and your community, what has that done for you? Yeah, it's um, been incredibly freeing. Oh. <laughs> what? I just love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've been through. We've we've talked a lot mm -hmm. over the time, so yeah, there's a lot there. But um, yeah, it's been incredibly freeing. Um, I'm very grateful for you to allow, like, give me a safe space to talk about. My story, it took me a long time to even open up to my dear girlfriends about my story. Um, just with the intimate ins and outs, it was, you know, I suppressed it for a long time because there was so much shame in um, what I thought there was, like, I, I held a lot of shame. I, I was made to feel that it was, you know, the people that I had opened up to that I thought was a safe space had made me feel dirty. Um, so it was, yeah, I learned very quickly to keep it to myself, um, not to rock the boat and to protect um, the people involved. Um, and I still do, um, you know, I still have an element of, like I, w I want an element of grace around what has happened, um, but I want to take the strength and the power out of the message and, and share that and turn it into art and, and do it in a way that, um, yeah, just take the good out of it. <laughs> and, and make the most of that. So, yeah, it's it's provided a really, um, like, in line with everything that I've been going through more recently. It's just, it's just been perfect timing, the podcast and opening up and um, giving my community also, like, a bit of insight as to why I write the way I write and how I am the way I am. Um, it was time. And, yeah, it's been really beautiful and really... Yeah, this last 12 months has been huge. So I'm very grateful for the podcast. Yeah. And do you feel... Yeah. <laughs> so beautiful. Do you feel that, um, that your community feels almost more connection and authenticity in what you write? Yeah, yeah. Like, I get it now. Like, absolutely... Um, and it comes with a lot of, like, people always felt open to share their stories prior to that. And it almost felt like I wasn't part of the deal. Like, I felt like I was sort of, you know, now it feels like I can sort of say I, I get it and I, I know, like, I, I'm with you. And so that's been really beautiful. Whereas, whereas prior I felt like, oh, like I want to reach out and be like, oh, I, I actually understand. Um, so, yeah, to be able to um, sort of 
connect in that way has been amazing and I've become very good at like allow like it's just it's just a mutual understanding now so it, I, I still protect my energy but now it's just like oh I, I feel like it can be it's just at ease and it comes a lot easier and it's just it's just been really freeing yeah and you did say the past 12 months there's been so many shifts yes. um and you've also had a now divorce, not yeah. separation. Am I right in saying that? Divorce. Yeah. Divorce. Yeah. Don't know if we celebrate or not. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, like, we celebrate. <laughs> we can celebrate. Okay, amazing. Um, did you have any fears of becoming a single mum? You had been with your husband and had two beautiful boys. Yeah. Um, you were together for a long time. Yeah. Um, did you have any fears when you felt it was time to go? Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, part of my trauma, I suppose, when I was younger, like my mum and dad used to use um, the single mum line as like the pinnacle of failure. She, they'd, you know, keep me on my toes, be a good girl, do the right thing because you don't want to become a single mum at the back of Woodridge. Like that was part of my fear. I was like, oh my gosh, that like must be really bad because they kept on mentioning it. So I was like, okay. And then so when I was in my marriage and um, struggling, I was like, I didn't get married to not be married. I wanted it to work. The last, um, my line was like, I come from a broken family. I don't want a broken family. I was very fearful of that. So I held on for a long time and probably put up with more than I should have. So, um, yeah, it was scary. But what was even scarier was just being that woman in that marriage broken. Yeah. I couldn't do that any longer. Yeah. So brave, so brave. It's fresh. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, I speak for everyone here and the people who are listening as well just by saying thank you because you are a true testament that we can share stories in ways that make us stronger. Yes. Um, I want to ask you about your healing journey. Yeah. Oh yeah? Like that's what you label it yeah. as, right? Yeah. Healing journey. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm curious, when do you see the start of that? Like, when did it kind of start for you as in this was, you know, the origin? Yeah. Um, and also, how did you go about knowing uh, what were the right tools that I needed to heal? Yeah. Who like, who were the right professional supports to reach yeah. out to, etc.? Like, how did you know, Do I, what do I need in order to get to where I need to yeah. be? Yeah, I was really lucky in the way that my business really did save me. In that way, I was building my strength and building my confidence because I was putting myself out there and um, you make connections and there's so much out there on social media, there's so much positive and there's so many beautiful people willing to talk and, and offering tools and you just lean on that. And so it would have been about 2018, I went on a girls' trip to Queenstown, my first ever girls' trip. I was like, wow. And it was, if anyone's been to Queenstown, it's a very healing place. So it was just... Um, that was probably the beginning I, I opened up to my girlfriends. It was the first time I felt like a safe space and I was like, this is what happened to me. This yeah. is my trauma. And um, that was the beginning. I was like, oh, that felt really good. And the more I did that, the more I felt safe to do that. Um, it just sort of rolled on from there. So more recently, like having taken the steps to actually make change, it was more, um, yeah, just intuitively, um, you know, I, I, I'm a yeah, private person and an introvert, so, like, I, you take on what you can, you're also protecting your energy as you go along, but, yeah, it was, like, people just reaching out or just just 
yeah, taking, soaking up what felt right at the time. And it did come down to um, expressing myself through poetry and putting myself out there that way. Um, it came to girlfriends randomly giving me crystal rose quartz hearts and mm. going, hold on to that. It helped me at my time. Um, little things like that. Um, and then you just, yeah, you just lean in and like friends going, oh, go see the psychic or go have this Reiki. And I like, was like, that's really woo-woo, but like I'm all for Bring it. Bring on the woo-woo. Because <laughs> every little bit helps and it just breaks down those walls, those, those yeah, like it literally changes your life. And it's just like doing little things every day that feel right um, without putting yourself out there too much and like really going like I could have gone all out and been like I'm going through a divorce and I'm doing this and... And I, I don't think uh, my personality, I wouldn't have been able to handle heaps of advice, but I just put little bits out there that I felt comfortable with, took on what I could and then felt like with the, like I had to protect the boys as well. So I just was like, I'm going to do this my way. Um, and that was pretty much just leaning into the woo-woo, leaning into the art, um, yeah, soaking in the girlfriends and girl time, dancing, um, doing the things that just felt me, like, light up. And so, yeah, that's pretty much been my healing journey and I'm going to roll with that for a while. It feels good. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question um, and you can expand on it a little bit. Yeah. Like, what now, this new Jessie Lou, what sets your soul on fire? Because I'm sure yeah. there is many women sitting in that audience and I'm not saying you need to go get divorced but um, <laughs> what can we all do to you know find our inner, inner playfulness our yeah. inner happiness feminine energy yeah feminine yes. energy it took me um, so long to learn how to say feminine yeah. by the way so I, I'm very proud I can say it now <laughs> yeah um yeah I'm all about the playfulness and <laughs> sorry but it's true I couldn't say cinnamon or feminine so what about Eminem? Eminem? Eminem. Oh, I can always say Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a gangster. <laughs> Courtney's horrified at me again. <laughs> um, Sorry, what sets your soul on fire? You. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Yay me. Um, <laughs> Sorry, answer the question. Um, yeah, just, just like... The, how, the whole way Louis Luck started was me going like I was in a dark place at the time with infer secondary infertility and I was like, I'm just going to go back to basics and do the things that made me happy and that was picking up like a calligraphy brush or sewing. Like at the time when you go to my Louis Luck seven years ago, I'm like doing all the things. I'm just, like sewing caftans and baking <laughs> like paleo treats and doing... Just all the stuff I'm out. Like, just try that. Like it just makes me happy and multi-passionate. Yeah, just yeah. just playing. Like going back to play. Mm. Um, so I I definitely think what sets my soul on fire is just going back to like your true self and forgetting about judgment. We're all grown-ass women and we're allowed to like do what sets our soul on fire. And that for me, like I just let go of the shame, let go of the judgment, um, and yeah, just like reconnecting with your true essence. I think um, my journey now, like, that's where I want to go. I really want to help women, like, seek strength in their story, um, step into their power and not, like, hold back. It's just life's too fucking short. So Absolutely. put that on a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put a shirt, he's going to say that on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, again, audience question. 
As a creative, how do you prioritise the million of ideas running through your head? Yeah, yeah, I um, I struggled with it to begin with because I'd be like, I can do this and I can do that and it's just an untapped, like you just got to rein it in at some point. And for me now it's quite easy because I know what my purpose is and I know what my why is and it's about the words, it's about making people feel the feels, the connection and I can't do, like I... There's no need for me to sort of channel into a saturated market that's like because it's just going off. I'm like, I've just got to stay in my lane and stick to what I know um, and what my strengths are and that's um, finding the words to make people feel the feels. So um, it's, yeah, just just really finding out your why, your, your purpose. And you definitely do find the words to make people feel the feels. What is in everyone's gift bag? Yeah, everyone gets... I feel like Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> you get one, you get one, it's you get one. Victim, it's not a car. Yeah, just, just a print, just for some of my favourite poems. So, yeah. It's not just it. a print. There is a beautiful print and there is a variation. I think there's three different yeah, ones. there's two poems. In yeah, your yeah. bag. Yeah. So, you all get to take a little bit of um, Louis Lux, Jessie Lou home with you and put it somewhere special or yeah. gift it to someone that might need to hear it. Yeah, thank you. And fun fact, does every, I had to split them up, but does everyone know that Jessie Lou and Brooke are besties? Yeah. Yeah. We go way back. We go way back. <laughs> way back. What, what year are we talking? Like, I don't even know. I 2005 was, or 6? Oh, I'm not good with numbers. Oh, that that no, would only no, make no, you guys like no, kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, high school. <laughs> high school. Like, great, like we're 17. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. A, yeah, in Palm Beach, like some Palmy. party. Yeah. Palmy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the locals With in the my house. my boyfriend and like, yeah. Oh, my God, that's right, Jess. Yeah. Wow, we go way back. <laughs> All right, before we um, go to the audience for questions, where is my girl Holly? Hello, Holly. Okay, Holly has the microphone. Um, and as I said before... We are all here to connect and grow and learn from each other. And you may have been sitting there feeling that little burning desire to ask a question, but you feel scared. Um, please know that is completely normal, but I so encourage you to take one for the team also and put your hand up and ask a question. So I can't see anyone. So Holly, if you see anyone pop up your hand, can you go visit them, please? Hands are up. Yes, already. And if you can start by saying who your question is for and then your question, that would be great. Hi. Hello. I have a question for Brooke. Hit me. Hi. Um, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, depending on where the world's at. But um, Matt would love to have another baby like now. So Lucky Matt gets to have the baby. Yeah, hey. like he really Good. wants to go again. Um, but probably I will try for another child at some point. But um, I will probably be back in the States, to be honest, when everything's all good and it's safe. And, um, yeah, living back in the States. And I personally don't really want Rocky going to school over there. So I'll probably be coming back for her schooling. Um, but that's just me personally. Um, we'll see you what don't happens. want her to I take don't... a gun to school? Sorry? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> you don't want her to take a gun to school? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't want her to go through, like, gun, whatever they go through, <laughs> drills. Anyway, no, I, yeah, I just... I do see myself going back to the States and living full-time again like I was. Um, but, yeah, 
I'll, I'm one and done, but no, Matt wants to go again. So we'll, we'll have to like rock scissors. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Is that we'll the see. next child's name, Scissors? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Joking neighbour. <laughs> I forgot what the name was that we came up with the other day. It was like some other Sylvester Stallone movie. Oh, no, we were talking about well, this. Were we, were we? Oh. Rambo, Rambo for a boy. Thank you. <laughs> Rambo for a boy. And then I was like, that's the coolest name. And then I was like, I'm not even a Sylvester Stallone fan like, at all. Like, and the way Rocky has the reason why Rocky has her name is because during every single ultrasound she wouldn't let me um, see her face. She always had her hands up, oh, and I'm I like, "I didn't even know this." Yeah, and I'm like, "You look like a little boxer in there, like keeping your hands up." And then I was like, "Let me see your and face." And she's a motherfucking rock star. Yeah, she's like, yeah. "Whoa!" Already, she's five months, and she's like full attitude. She gets sent a lot of shit off Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> sent a lot of stuff. Sent. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said, did you get a scent a little For her. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's spoiled. <laughs> yeah. All right, anyone else? Up the back. Silence. In that cute little bucket hat. My question's for Courtney. Who or what inspires you? Um, I think, like, you know, cliche, Oprah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I really love Glennon Doyle. Like, her book Untamed, when I read that uh, last year or the year before, was really, like, a big game changer for me. So, highly recommend that book. Has um, anyone read the book? Yes. Oh, lots of hands. <laughs> like interest. it. Yeah. Yeah. I did start the audio and then I was like, this is hard. <laughs> I'll come back to it. <laughs> um, and I guess also Jamila Jamil. I love, like, the movement that she has going on at the moment as well. Cool. Anybody else? Um, my question is for Jessie. Um, and I just wanted to know um, what's the next chapter for you? Oh, gosh. Um, plenty. I suppose in tune with that, a book, hopefully, a poetry book that I've just had sitting, boiling away. Um, I haven't been ready to release it, but I'm really excited for that. Um, just being me for the first time in my life, I suppose. I feel like it's time to actually really become who I know I can be and that's really exciting and mother my two boys the best I can and um, really love life for what it is and just go roll with the punches. Yeah, that's that's pretty much like it. Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, does anyone else have? I really can't see. So there's oh questions at the back. Um, my question is for Monique. How do you um, detach yourself from your clients? Oh, that's a good question. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I ever really detach myself. I don't know if that language really resonates with my experience of being a therapist. Um, I think that's the, that's the um, common myth, isn't it, of therapy, that we're the blank slate, uh, when in reality, uh, would I be a very good role model in, you know, encouraging you to feel your emotions and sit with it if I didn't, I guess, enable mine to come through in our time together? Um, certainly there's, you know, some, some pretty um, clear boundaries that exist within a therapeutic relationship that are unlike others. And I think you get a lot of training in that, you know. Um, like, I've, I've done an undergraduate degree and a couple of masters now and every single one, it gets drilled into you again around how to manage, you know, triggers and 
uh, ongoing. We get our own clinical supervision as well where we take cases and it's almost like therapy for the therapist, um, which not a lot of people know. So all of that kind of helps as a structure. Um, but I'm certainly... Uh, I have a lot of empathy and I, I feel in, in the room with people, I feel people's stories. She's the best. And just because it is the podcast, I feel a bit weird saying it, but thanks for tuning in. And just remember, we're all flawed, but we're also fucking fabulous. <laughs> <laughs>